Mike Rags and Todd Burlage with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk, it's the Blue Gold Report. Welcome back for another edition of the Blue Gold Report. I am Mike Rags, going to bring in our good buddy Todd Burlich here in the second. Of course, wherever you found us, especially if it's a podcast, make sure you rate and review us and share us with all your friends. It's always brought to you by D.O. McComb and Sons Funeral Homes, and we want to welcome our Fort Wayne audience. If you're listening on Saturday morning at 7 a.m. at ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9, FM. Well, here we go. It is uh, college basketball tournament time. Uh, it's, uh, the, the boys, are the men, are improving their golf game as we speak. Uh, the women are getting primed for their big tournament coming up here in a couple days. So uh, we record these on Fridays, in case you guys are wondering. The men are knee-deep in the tournament, and uh, it's a good thing Notre Dame didn't make it because we don't have much to talk about. We'll talk a little bit about uh, women's hoops. We'll get some football thrown in there as well. We'll get you updated on the men are doing out there in the Big Ten tournament and more. All right, let's Let's bring him in right now from Blue Gold Illustrated. It's our good buddy Todd Burlage. Todd, how you doing, my friend? All right, Rags. How you doing, sir? I am well. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And uh, you know, I wonder what the men are doing at this about right about this time. What are you thinking? Probably uh, well, they're back from spring break, so they sure. probably enjoyed that a little bit. I don't know. It's been pretty nice here. Maybe that golf theory of yours is a, is a good one. <laughs> maybe so, maybe so. But we did get some good news, and we know where the uh, women are going to be playing in Chicago if they get to the Sweet 16. Of course, they're home right away. We'll talk about that. We'll get to a whole hell, hell of a lot more, but we always have to start with our show with some blue gold nuggets. What do you got for us, Don? We do usual three-pack here, Rags. Um, in the... Uh, Javon McKinley has become a regular when it comes to the Blue Gold Nuggets, and he's back. <laughs> Only this time it's a little bit of good news for the troubled senior Irish wide receiver, as he has been conditionally reinstated on the team. If you remember, McKinley is the guy that uh, passed out in an Uber vehicle, and when the cops tried to help him back to his dorm room, he ended up running and punching them, and that's not a good combination of things. So he faces three misdemeanor charges. Uh, his initial hearing will be on April 15th, Rags. Now, Brian Kelly came out shortly after the arrest and said he is suspended indefinitely from all football-related activities. I don't know if this is a move out of need since the receiving core is a little bit thin in certain positions. Not really thin so much, uh, but certainly undecided. Can't see McKinley making a big splash there, but at least he's back with the team working out. Uh, we didn't get a chance to ask Brian Kelly about it. McKinley appeared at practice rags, but um, there was no Brian Kelly availability after the fact. So, uh, believe it or not, Javon McKinley is the highest-rated wide receiver recruit that Brian Kelly's ever brought to Notre Dame. Wow, that's yeah. interesting. That's a nice little nugget. Yeah, he's a California kid, but he obviously he has no career catches. He's been used sparingly, so hasn't really panned out. Lived up to the recruiting rankings. Uh, moving who's on, high, who's like? Do you know who two was? I wonder who the highest was. I think Mike. He he is number oh, one. I mean before him. Oh, um, my guess would probably be uh, Michael Floyd. Okay, makes Something sense. Like that. Makes yeah, sense. that's that would be my guess off the top of my head. Um, we talked quite a bit about linebackers last week. There's been a little bit of movement here, and this is not good news. Uh, it's not you know horrific, but junior Drew White, who is kind of competing for that position left vacant by Tavon Coney basically competing with uh, senior Jonathan Jones and sophomore Bo Bauer for that Mike linebacker starting spot. He's out now. He's going to undergo shoulder surgery. Um, That actually happened here on the day we're recording on Friday. He's All systems go to return for training camp, so he should be good to go there. Um, White did was forced into some action when Tranquil last season was injured in the Navy game, for the Navy game, 
White saw extended action that and played very, very well. That's sort of where he made a mark for himself. So uh, certainly he should get back in that competition, but this is such a fluid situation at linebacker. It's a shame uh, that he won't be able to go through spring ball. It'll obviously put him behind a little bit. Moving on to the Hollywood front, on April 26th, <laughs> Hesper, the movie. Uh, will debut. Um, you all know Father Ted Theodore Hesburgh. He was the Notre Dame president from 1952 to 1987. He died not too terribly long ago in 2015 at the age of 97. Very influential man. As a matter of fact, at one point during his time as president of Notre Dame, he was named as the most influential man in all of the United States. So that's, that goes to show you. He was involved in everything. Civil rights, spent a lot of time with Martin Luther King Jr., um, at, at different rallies and those sorts of things, very involved in politics, and obviously, you know, it's a pretty powerful position when you're president of Notre Dame. Should be a good movie. I'm going to have to check that one out for sure. And those are your blue gold nuggets. So, is this? Uh, and uh, forgive me for not knowing. But this is a documentary. Then it's not actors playing the roles. This is a documentary based on his life. Yes, exactly. Yeah, um, yep. interesting. Yeah, it should be pretty interesting because he he was a fascinating man for sure. And boy, that funeral was something to see. I, I do remember that I, from a few I, years back. I would imagine so. All right, Todd. Uh, let's talk about the women, where they're going what they're doing, and uh, and how far can they possibly get. Uh, well, the weird thing about the tournament overall is the fact that UConn, yeah. first time in, I don't know how many, like 15, 12, 12 years, yeah. 12 years, they have not been a one seed. They're a two seed. Uh, so I would I would uh, definitely define them as dangerous in this tournament. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they actually, Louisville, who was the uh, sort of surprise one seed, actually gets UConn as the two seed in yeah, its bracket. No <laughs> so that, that, that should fuel the, fuel the fire a little bit more there. Yeah, indeed. Uh, UConn had the record rags 12 straight years of a number one seed. Obviously, that goes by the wayside. So now Notre Dame, being that it is a number one seed, and you mentioned it at the start of the show, um, off to the Chicago Regional with a couple wins this weekend. This is their eighth straight year, so now they're kind of holding that torch for longest number one seeded streaks. Uh, moving down, we've done, obviously, Notre Dame 30-3 and three in Chicago. Number one, Baylor is in Greensboro, 31-1, uh, and one, I believe. Louisville in Albany, 29-3. Uh, and three. And Miss State in Portland, uh, 30 and 2. Those are your one seeds. The funniest thing that happened when it comes to this women's tournament. Did you hear about ESPN accidentally releasing yes. the bracket early? Yes. They had yeah. to rush and get a show on real yeah, quick. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, they released it four hours early. It was kind of interesting because Notre Dame was actually practicing, okay? I remember that. Uh, yeah. one, uh, they were in, about an hour into the two-hour <laughs> practice. All of a sudden, one of the team managers or whatever, or, you know, spokesperson for the university, came down and kind of tapped Muffet on the shoulder and said, well... They accidentally released the bracket on ESPNU, and it's all over social media. And indeed, you are a one seed in Chicago. And they moved the selection show from 7 p.m. to 5 p.m. Quick, let's get a show yeah, on. exactly. So they threw they, the girls ran off the court, took their showers, and then they moved the watch party up the whole work. So I thought that was kind of funny. A little bit of egg on the face of ESPN there, to say the least. Um, they will play number 16, Bethune-Cookman. Um, that is actually here coming up in just a couple hours if you're listening uh, in Fort Wayne. Right. Uh, because that's an 11 a.m. start. So basically, we we're going to be buttoned up it's essentially right up against that. Bethune Cookman, 21 and 10 this year, um, played one top 25 team this season. Bethune Cookman did. It was number 21, South Florida. And Bethune Cookman lost that game 88 to 39. So I would Eesh. say, yeah, exactly. Um, if and when Notre Dame beats said Bethune Cookman, they will play the winner of number eight Central Michigan twenty five and seven, and number nine Michigan State twenty and eleven. That game will be played on Monday. That time has yet to Trevor be. Trevor with another three. Sorry about that, Todd. I thought that was the announcement of the time. <laughs> <laughs>
it was not, but it could have been. Monday, 7 p.m. Monday. <laughs> um, and then, obviously, they move on to the Chicago for the regional round. That's uh, March 30th through April 1st there. Um, I like Again, um, all systems are go to win these first two games. Can't see any issues there. Um, we'll have to wait and see. But I thought the funniest part that we already mentioned was uh, – that the brackets came out four hours earlier than expected. I kind of, the girls were a little bit ticked off because it kind of took some of the suspense out. Yeah. And it kind of ruined that moment that these girls look forward to well, every and year. And then you got to think about those schools that are on the bubble that don't know that they're getting Good in. Like point. Notre Dame is really not much drama, just yeah, where true. you're going. Yeah, but then right. you have these schools that are just like, oh my gosh, what do we do? And then they know. And then how do you. And then you have a watch party set up for <laughs> a, a, a nightmare. Imagine if that happened on the men's side. Oh my God, it might have been a, an apocalypse here. Yeah, that's what one of the girls said. She, uh, I think. It was Bree Turner said you, you can be you can rest assured this would never happen on the men's side, but she she basically agreed with you, Rag. She said we didn't have a lot of suspense, uh, but some of the other teams probably did. It kind of kind of took that out that, that fun out of it. You never want to take anything for granted, but you look at the other teams on, in their bracket, mm-hmm. and obviously you got Stanford, their number two seed, Iowa State, their three. Is there someone that's Potentially, I know they could play Michigan State in the second round. They could play uh, Marquette later on. Yeah. Some teams that are familiar with. Uh, is there anybody lying in the wings that you know if they if they play their game, they should be okay? Uh, yeah, I would certainly think so. When we talked about it last week, how they're beating everybody these last six games of of the season by thirty five plus points, scoring yeah. more than ninety points a game in those. So if they play their game, I can't see any issues here. Healthy. Well rested. I believe Muffet gave them six days off for spring break, so they didn't even have to do any basketball activities. And by now, this is old hat. I mean, it's the schedule yeah. set. She knows what to do. They're usually a number one seed. Right. Uh, it, it, you know, it's usually the same old, same old at yeah, this point. Exactly. And then Texas A and M. That's a bit of an ornery team. That's the four seed in that bracket. I suppose you have to look at Stanford. Such a proud program there. Yeah. Uh, but certainly, if Notre Dame plays its game, there, there's no reason to, not, that you can't already pencil them into the Final Four for what it's worth. If they would meet UConn, that would be in the semis. Uh, UConn is on the same side right. of the bracket as Notre Dame, so that would not be a finals matchup. And I think one of the biggest dramas of the day was whether or not Tennessee was going to make the tournament. You know, they're speaking of longstanding history. They were on the brink. They end up getting in as an 11 seed, and wow. they were probably one of those teams that, oh my gosh, just came out early. We found out we're in, we're in. But uh, that would have been a little weird not to see Tennessee there. Yeah, my how the mighty have fallen, huh? You know, who would have ever thought we we're talking about? Tennessee's a you bubble team. UConn's a two seed. Tennessee's a <laughs> yeah. bubble team. What's the world coming to? Cats and dogs living together? <laughs> right. uh, it's crazy. All right, let's uh, turn to the football team. Oh, you don't want to talk about men's basketball, right, at all? Is there anything? I, I scoured the net. <laughs> I combed, and I combed, and I combed, and I could find absolutely nothing, Rags. We so no, we can, people. No, we can move on. All right, so football back in business after the long break here. They're getting ready for their spring game, the blue-gold game, which is coming up. Uh, what do we know? What do we got coming up here that that has raised some eyebrows at uh, BK? talking about what's new well um we're gonna get to the wide receivers gonna break those down a little bit here but but i just you know i just kind of give sort of a lay of the land here a little bit um 11 days off for the guys uh set them on their way to do their spring break thing brian kelly you know he said typically brian kelly gives these guys like a, a fitness test we'll call it when they return from spring break to make sure they were doing the right things and whatnot, not eating too many bonbons, those types of things. <laughs> and he was happy with everybody's return. So back to work. He didn't even bother with the fitness test this time around. So so that was kinda that was kind of interesting. Another sort of unique element to this spring season rags is that Brian Kelly is opening up every single practice in full to the media. 
He's never done that before, every one of them. So Thursday's practice was open. Now, uh, typically he'll address the media then afterwards, but he didn't do it for the Thursday practice. So basically just what you read and whatnot and, and what you could pick up on um, and surfing around is what you got out of Thursday's practice. And I think the thing that's jumped out at me, and this will sort of feed into some of this wide receiver stuff a little bit, is that so much speed, they're trying to fill that third receiver spot opposite Claypool and Fink. And mm-hmm. so that's what we'll break that down a little bit more. But, but here's Brian Kelly before I get, I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself. No trouble, no issues. The guys all made it back just fine. Here's Brian Kelly talking about just having everybody back, and this time it's it's, it's all systems go for that blue-gold game. This this is the first year that we didn't do a test when, when we brought the guys back, and we, we let them know deliberately that we felt like when we left that they were in a great spot physically um, and and so we yesterday it was meetings and weight training and today we got after them today and they were hand they they handled the practice a two-hour practice quite well um, so you know from that standpoint I think we've set a standard as to what the expectations are when you're away you know get away relax enjoy yourself but you know there are expectations as to what what you do on spring break. Um, it can't be, you know, <laughs> you know, you can't let yourself go either. Have some fun, relax, but you've got to come back ready to go. And it sounds like that's the case. It sounds like he's happy with the way things are going, and so now we can kind of gear up and we can really start locking in, especially with the open practices on how some of these. Position competitions, and that's kind of one of the things we want, kind of want to address as we move towards the blue goal game. Talked about linebacker and how that is very fluid. Wide receiver, obviously you have Chase Claypool. He's going to be on the short side wide. And then Chris Fink, uh, he is going to be inside in the slot there. Made see, a lot of big catches for them this year. He, he really, really did. did. Yeah. yeah, he had a heck of a year. He has 65 career catches, uh, Fink does. Uh, 49 of those came last year for 571 yards, two touchdowns. And you're right, it, it was... Every time, third down, he, got, yeah, he found exactly. the ball. Yeah, exactly. He was yeah. one of those guys for sure. And, and his leadership, this is a former walk-on. He's one of the SWAT team leaders this spring. So he's certainly uh, emerging as a, even a captain candidate uh, once those are announced. And Chase Claypool, 84 career catches. Obviously, he's top dog in this. But what we're all watching is sort of that wide side, mm-hmm. speed receiver position. Mm-hmm. That's what Brian Kelly wants. When he talked about what some of his takeaways from the 33-30-3 loss to Clemson, he said their skilled position guys really jumped out at him. And he said that's something we have to start building towards. We don't have enough speed. And I think one of the stats that, that I found that kind of speaks to the lack of speed among the wide receiver core, really since Brian Kelly's been here, there's been some exceptions, obviously. Will Fuller comes to mind sure. in, in a heartbeat right there. Uh, but Notre Dame averaged only 12.5 yards per catch last year. That's the lowest per catch average since 2011. And I think that's a function of having big, you know, big guys, Claypool and Boykin and Mack, uh, that really didn't stretch the field that much. And that's but, what but, he's but, looking but to do. But wait a minute. Didn't you see Boykin's <laughs> I know. 40? I, knew you were I mean, I, I, knew you were <laughs> I mean, didn't, I mean, couldn't he stretch? Uh, listen, I don't know. I, you knew I was going here, so I, I, I had to bring it up. Uh, he should have stretched the field, and I guess maybe, I don't know. They didn't run a play that way. I yeah, don't. I don't know. And I think some of that falls on Ian Book, being too conservative, sure, you sure. know, just trying to dump off and, and keep that completion percentage high. But you go to the sophomore class, and, and these guys essentially redshirted last year f- to find all the speed. And these guys are potential playmakers. They're all kind of trying to sort each other out. You're talking about Braden Lindsey. 
Joe Wilkin Jr., uh, Lawrence Keyes, Kevin Austin, all these guys are kind of battling for that wide side of the field position, and that's where Brian Kelly wants to put his speed guy. I personally think that Junior Michael Young, who, uh, what does he have? He has 11 career catches, had a couple good games last year. I think he could emerge as the guy that takes that position ahead of the sophomores. Um, we'll have to wait and see, though. I know Brian Kelly said we may use all of these guys when it comes to it, but he really is focused on finding more speed, and, and I think that's gonna, that's why this uh, wide receiver Third spot on the wide receiver core is certainly worth watching, and it'll be interesting to see who emerges and if indeed Brian Kelly can get his wish as more big plays and more speed out there. Well, isn't that one of those things where you bring up the blue goal game and you try to find storylines to watch during that game, which is basically means nothing, but it might be one of those places you look to see, all right, what, sure. who's fast, who's not, who can do certain things. Because I think you're going to see all of those guys that I mentioned. They'll, they're, they're certainly going to get their shots. And again, with all these, there's six more spring practices before the blue gold game. And all six of them are open, the whole thing. So, yeah. you know, this is very unusual. I'm surprised Brian Kelly's doing it. A lot of, not a lot of coaches. Typically, you would be allowed to maybe open up practices all spring, let us in for the first 15 minutes or thereabouts, uh, those types of things. So really, all you really got to see is stretching and calisthenics, and, yeah. and you didn't really glean much from any of that. But I think we'll be able to get quite a few of our questions answered now. And perhaps Brian Kelly is opening up so many spring practices because he doesn't expect to even know the answers once spring is over. Some of these answers I know for sure, linebacker, and maybe even this wide receiver, this third wide receiver spot, I think some of these are going to have to wait till fall camp to get settled. All right, we'll, 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 we're approaching that game, of course. And let's uh, let's talk about now, um, a lot of the attention were on the uh, uh, Murray and Haskins pro days, but there was a pro day here in town this past week. Now, initially there was 17, ex- did 17 yeah. end up uh, being in the pro day? Yeah, a couple of couldn't do anything. Uh, obviously, they're just floating around. Alex Barr is still recovering from his knee right. surgery, and, and Jerry Tillery had shoulder surgery here not too long ago. Kind of wondering if that's going to impact his draft stock. He was he was walking around with a big arm brace on um, at this thing. He was kind of him and Julian Love were kind of neck and neck about who would go first among this Notre Dame contingent of draftees, potential draftees. And a lot of people said Tillery could be a late first round pick. I don't know. Does this shoulder surgery hurt him? Does he drop to a second or third round? We'll have to wait and see. Julian Love was probably the big winner at this thing. If you remember when we talked about the combine in Indianapolis, he wasn't all that solid. Uh, he ran a four-five-four forty. Okay, down in Indy, that was only twenty-fourth best of the thirty-two mm-hmm. wide receivers that ran. So that was not very good at all. He flipped that to a four-point-four-five here at Pro Day, and that would have been sixth among the wide receivers. So. That was a that was something he really needed to do. Scott Wright of DraftCountdown.com, yeah. a good friend of the show, he said you're probably best to take the average of those two, and that's probably the most accurate gauge you're going to get. And he said really when you look at film, that's kind of what he thought he was anyways. Um, so I think that was one worth mentioning right there as far as, as, far as a pro day highlight. It stinks because, you know, if you have a good combine, you're like, oh, uh, should I do anything on the pro day? And I know Drew Tranquil had a great combine. Did he hurt or help his cause? He, they don't. If you had a good combine, you don't mess. You're, just, right. you're just out there doing position drills, rags. Gotcha. Yeah, as a matter of fact, Julian Love felt like he had to do stuff at pro to day. Improve. Yeah, yeah, yeah to did, improve, yeah. And Dexter Williams as well didn't like his combine number. So of all the guys that were at the combine of the eight guys, only two of them did any measurables here 
at the actual pro day. They were satisfied with what they did at the combine. Certainly, you know, why does Miles Boykin want to tarnish what, sure. he, <laughs> what he did at the combine? But speaking of Dexter Williams, he ran a 501.40, which is not very good. Uh, he he shrunk that down to 4.57 at pro day. So nice. that's a huge uh, that, that's a huge improvement there. Some of the guys that used to play here don't anymore. Uh, returned to town. Justin Brent, he uh, transferred to Nevada. Uh, Corey Holmes, he was a wide receiver. He plays for Morgan State now. And Houston cornerback Nick uh, Watkins was here as well. Probably the one of the more novelty numbers that came out of it uh, was Tyler Newsom, right? The punter, thirty reps on the bench, <laughs> two twenty-five. How, uh, that's that's a remarkable, and then went out and punted in the rain. Yeah, I don't know how that translates. What you can bench, <laughs> how you can punt. I know well, Justin Yoon did well, though. He he made everything inside fifty the other day, um, and he made a fifty-five yard or two. So even Justin Yoon worked out of the uh, yeah, pro day. Oh, absolutely. Now I, I bring up this Newsom number because out of the two hundred fifty-six people that actually went to the combine in Indianapolis. Only 12 of those 256 had more reps on the bench than Tyler Newsom. One of those was Drew Tranquil, who was actually led all linebackers with 31 reps. Tavon Coney had quite a bit to prove here at this pro day because while he was invited and was in Indy for the combine, he did nothing. He he got on yeah. trying to he hired an agent late or some so he wasn't quite ready to go. So he didn't work out at all. So he wanted to work out. He was so so. He had to, he only did 18 reps. Uh, on the bench oh. press, which surprised me a little bit. Now, how did uh, Sam Mustafer do? Because I know that was a big deal. He didn't get invited to the combine. We all thought that was a snub. Uh, how did he? Did he? Did he do anything in his pro day? I was going to say, you know what? Told you so, or not really? Not really. To be honest with you, he looked really good doing the the sort of footwork drills. Right. Um, you know, he really there wasn't much to measure him against. To be honest yeah. with you, since he's the only offensive lineman sure, out there point. running around. That's a good point. Um, but for what it's worth, he ran a five point five nine. Uh, forty yard dash, and he did twenty reps on on the bench. I suppose those would be the. He did come in at just a tick under six foot three and three hundred four pounds. So is certainly that, his size is good there. Is that all? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, what else? I'm kind of scanning down these notes here to see what else is going on. Oh, I thought it was kind of cool. The uh, did you see where Tommy Reese? Was actually the quarterback thrown to the, oh, I didn't the, see that. No, I, the I didn't receivers. see that. No, that's awesome. Yeah, he looked great. He looked better than Malik Zaire <laughs> and Everett Golson the last two years. I'll say that. Does he have a year eligibility? Yeah, left? I know. I know. <laughs> Probably not. He was here eight yeah, years. I was going to say, I think he played here 12. <laughs> uh, so I don't think so. All 32 NFL teams uh, were up. represented. Cool. Um, now, that said, they were sort of, um, let's lower level scouts. Right. You know, there, weren't, there wasn't a lot of brass here, right. let's put it that way, because in all honesty, Notre Dame's Pro Day fell on the same uh, as Georgia and Ohio State and USC, so a lot of Pro Days going on at the same time. <laughs> this will be the last one at the Loftus Center, um, because oh, they're right. going to move the, yeah. the Pro Day into yeah. the big facility here starting next year. Also thought it was kind of cool that some of the old school guys showed up. Uh, Jalen Smith was here. Uh, obviously, Dallas Cowboy linebacker, Philadelphia Eagle running back Josh Adams, a couple great Notre Dame players, and free agent tight end Troy Nicholas were all here. Now, Smith and Adams, they're in town going to school, finishing up their degrees. Oh, cool. But Brian Kelly said it was important, and he we, we have a clip here of him just kind of talking about how it is important to sort of keep the old guard around and, and just it kind of builds camaraderie around, among the team and within the program. It's always great to see. They were out there this morning. Um, I always judge by uh, who the real guys uh, that get out there at uh, 7.30 for, for stretch and who are the guys that meander in around 9.45. Um, 
So, yeah, it's, it's great to see those guys come back. And, and uh, we always, you know, work really hard to try to build that bridge so they feel comfortable coming back. But it's, 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 it's great that they're all, you know, back here and feel comfortable coming back and working out here and, and are proud to, you know, be back here and, and working out for us. Um, but our kids are pretty sharp. They, they want to follow our guys. Um, they want to see them do well. They, they want to pull for their, their teammates. Um, some of them are interested in going to the NFL, others aren't. I think what drives them more than anything else is uh, it's their buddies, and they want to see them do well. That's good stuff. Uh, definitely camaraderie built. And uh, sure. for those of you keeping track, April 25th, Nashville is the draft. That's yep. where it all starts, April 25th through the 27th. Nice little day trip, maybe, for a lot of people in this area. You know, I, you kind of wish it was a little more momentum building with Notre Dame draft picks here, like much like last year, you know, when you had the two offensive sure. linemen ready to go. But, um, you know, it, it, there should be some interest. I don't know about day one, right. but later on after that, we'll get some names for sure. A little bit of suspense because I suppose love, although really there's not much else these guys can do anymore. It's not like the NBA where you go to individual team workouts and right. those types of things. So whatever they've done now, their body of work is complete for draft day. Now, you know as well as I do that even if they're not doing anything, you see these guys rise and fall on draft boards. I've never quite understood why or how that works, uh, but it's the same that way every year uh, when it comes to this. So, yeah, you mentioned the dates there. I suppose Tillery and Love have a chance at being first-round picks. I am kind of doubtful that either will be, but they should go early on that second day then. All right, let's turn our attention to Notre Dame hockey. Big game uh, Saturday night. So as we record this on Friday, Saturday night, the Big Ten Championship, Penn State and Notre Dame uh, for all the marbles here, uh, Todd, and uh, the game is already a sellout, and the faceoff is at 8 o'clock. So uh, number 17, Penn State, against number 16, Notre Dame. What else do we know about this game? Um, number Overall. Overall. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. In okay. the country. In the country. Sorry. Gotcha. Gotcha. My bad. Yeah, because um, yeah, uh, Notre Dame, which is the two seed in this Big Ten tournament, right. that's what we're talking about. They beat Minnesota, uh, the three seed, last week in overtime. So Notre Dame started to pick up where it left off last year with all the late game heroics and overtime wins. Yeah, remember you remember that? that carried yeah. them all the way to the national title game. Uh, beat Minnesota 2-1 to one in overtime. Michael Graham uh, scored the game winner 53 seconds into overtime. And then Penn State pulled the big upset. Number four, Penn State knocked off number one, Ohio State, five to one. Did a number on them in Columbus. They're pretty good. Now, if Ohio State would have won that game, Notre Dame would have went to Columbus uh, to play this championship game. But instead, the Irish will host Penn State. Um, 8 p.m., as you mentioned, at the Compton Ice Arena. Rags, Kale Morris, the goaltender, Irish goaltender, he stopped during this. Big Ten tournament, he has stopped 80 of 81 shots. Oh, that's not, crazy. Not too shabby, Yeah, huh? I take that, I guess. And you know as well as I do, in hockey, man, you get a hot, hot goaltender. Yeah, make a huge difference. We talked about it last week. I was a little bit confused on exactly how the NCAA tournament selections come. Six conference champions, 10 at large. All right. So win or lose, I'm pretty confident that Notre Dame will be, be in. in. Yeah, should they be. really should be in. Obviously, it's an automatic qualifier if they win, Obviously, uh, if they beat Penn State. But certainly all systems seem to be go as far as them getting into uh, the NCAA tournament and making another run at a national title. 
which seemed a little bit unlikely through the middle of this season. Yeah, they kind of muddled along there for a while, They really did, but it looks like Jeff Jackson has him playing and peaking at the right time again. All right, there you have it. So something to look forward to uh, both with the women and men on Saturday. Uh, Men's hockey, sorry. Sorry, men's basketball. (laughs) I didn't mean to get excited there for a second. Maybe next year, maybe next year. Uh, All right, we got to do this all over again next week. It is the Blue Gold Report brought to you by D.O. McComb and Sons Funeral Homes. And of course, if you found us via podcast, make sure you rate and review us and share us with all your friends. You guys have a great one. Todd, we'll do it all over again next week. Look forward to it, Rags. This has been a presentation of Opt-In Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.